Restoration Life family, we're so happy you joined us today. Our prayer is that this message speaks directly to your life and has restoration power. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to stay up to date on our upcoming messages. Now, let's take a listen. Good morning, everyone. It's good to have everybody in the house. Anybody happy to be in church this morning? I want to welcome you guys, everybody online. And is, is there anybody that's brand new, your very first time you're visiting with us today? Anybody at all? Can you just kind of just wave at me because I can see you? Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to have you with us today. Up there on the balcony, welcome. It's honor to have you guys with us today. It's, you know, we, we say it all the time. We're a church that loves like Jesus and feels like family. Love being at church on Sunday with Restoration Lifers. You guys are the best and uh, I'm excited that uh, Pastor Nick was able to kick off the series, uh, finish the fight uh, last Sunday, did an incredible job. And uh, I think he's coming home today with all of our young adults that went up to the mountain to be with Jesus. And uh, it's, it's gonna be fun to see what, what comes from that. Any, any pickleballers in the house? Any pickleballers at all? In the hall, okay, all right. They, they, they've got some stuff happening out there, so make sure that you guys register and, and all, all kinds of uh, uh, fun things happening coming up. And just kind of want to remind everybody that um, for Christmas, uh, the Christmas weekend, um, we locked in our Londo High School Auditorium, and we are going to be there uh, for the services and uh, we're excited about that. We're bringing back how the Grinch got saved. And I know that um, the drama team is, is, is gathering more people to be a part of that production. And so a lot of stuff is going to be going out. So if, 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 if that is your thing and you'd like to get involved and connected to that, make sure that you kind of keep an ear out for that. Um, also just want to let our congregation know um, that one of our family members from Restoration Life, um, Larry Schultz, uh, finished his fight here on earth, finished his race, and he's gone home to be with the Lord. Just in case some of you don't know, Larry um, has been a longtime member here of Restoration Life and um, school teacher, been fighting cancer. Can I tell you a little bit about this guy? Um, I mean, him and his wife are an incredible couple, just totally sold out, you know, to Jesus. And they were both teachers. And um, man, I'm reminded of all the times they would invite us over for steak dinners. Little, yeah, little Ziploc bags to get our little doggy bags um, to go home. Um, but one of the things I loved about Larry is that Larry loved Jesus. Uh, Larry loved his church. And he loved being at church. In fact, he loved church so much that um, when he started fighting cancer during the quarantine, and we, we told a lot of our uh, seasoned couples, to be careful how I say that, because I'm finding myself in that category now. Uh, but the seasoned couples that we want to be very protective over them and they needed to stay home. And, and Larry was like, Pastor, I'm, I'm fighting cancer. I'm fighting for my life. Don't keep me away from my church. And sure enough, he'd show up in a wheelchair uh, fighting cancer and man he was here every single Sunday and if he couldn't get himself here we had family members from Restoration Life go and pick him up and uh, he was very adamant about being here because he saw the importance of the assembly of the saints, the study of the word of God of being in community because community is our 
as our blessing. And um, my wife and I, with a number of our friends, were on our way to Havasu last Wednesday. And Larry called me. And uh, he said, he said, hey, I, I, like just, you could just hear the pain in his voice. I can't walk. I'm, I'm not able to walk. And, and uh, can you pray for me? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course we're going to pray for you. But you need to call 911, man. You, you know, but it's interesting how the first thing that he thought about was his spiritual family. And he wanted us to pray for him. And our, and our leaders, we did. We got to praying for him. And uh, little did I know that that would be the last time that I got to, to talk to him. And then when we came home, my wife and I were able to go visit with him and his family and, and pray with him. And over the next two days, he ended up finishing the fight. Uh, so he's home with Jesus. He's been made perfect now. And uh, we just want to honor his life. And um, I don't know what the family's got prepared, but um, we'll let our church know. And we do need to come together and celebrate his life. He's been such an important part of, of Restoration Life. He was an elder on our board for over nine years. Um, nine years, I believe it was. And, and we just thank God for him. And we also want to pray for Danny. Uh, Winders, who's uh, in the hospital right now navigating some things. Lift up Danny. Also, Carol Posner. Uh, we want to pray for Carol. Amen. Uh, she, she's, she's worked here at, at Restoration Life for, for a number of years, over 20 years, and retired a couple years back. And uh, she's in the hospital dealing with some physical issues. Can we just pray for, for them and all of our families right now? You may have a family member even now that they're in need of prayer. Maybe you have a family member specifically that needs is in need of a miracle, is in need of prayer. If you do, would you just raise your hand? And we just want to come together in agreement and just say, God, have your way right now. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just lift up Wilma and the family. Lord, the Schultz family, we pray for peace on the Schultz family. Lord, we know this is a difficult season, but we also celebrate that Larry's been made brand new, Lord God. Um, that he's in heaven with you, and we, we celebrate that, God. And we pray... Uh, for peace on Wilma and all the kids and all the grandkids. And Lord, we lift up uh, Carol for complete and total healing in her body. Uh, for Lord, what's taking place there, Lord, that you give wisdom. Bring wisdom to the doctors um, as they navigate what she's navigating through. And also lift up Danny. Uh, Winders, Lord, we pray for strength. Uh, we pray for wisdom. Uh, we pray, Lord God, that you also bring discernment to the doctors there, Lord. And God, we just give you all the glory for every family that's represented here. Uh, Lord, we don't know all the needs, but you do. And so, Lord, we pray that you respond according to your perfect will. And God, we just thank you for that. We pray for healing where healing is needed. We pray for a miracle where a miracle is needed. Uh, we pray for restoration where restoration is needed. And God, we give you all the glory. We pray for this service. Speak to our hearts. Um, Holy Spirit, have your way. We give you dominion in this service. Uh, and we ask you for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on. Amen. Can we celebrate Jesus one more time? Well, I'm excited about this series, um, especially with everything that we have coming up. And um, if you're looking for a title, uh, this is a title that, uh, this is actually a sermon that I preached at our, at our uh, yearly conference and have adapted some things, but um, been dying to preach this at our church. And so if you're looking for a title, the title for this sermon today is Sparring with Lions and Bears. And we want to unpack some spiritual truths and we want to kind of just kind of catch everybody up to some of the things that we have been talking about as a church. And uh, uh, today my assignment is to help us understand 
and to train for the fight that we're all in right now, that we're all facing right now. Because if you're a believer, if, if you're a devoted follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, I can guarantee you that you're in some kind of spiritual fight right now. Now, some of you might interpret that as, no, I'm, our, I'm, I'm in a fight with my spouse. Or some of you might interpret that, no, I'm, 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 in, a, I'm in a fight with people at my job. Or I'm in a fight with my boss. Or I'm in a fight with, you know, the city. Or I'm in a, I'm in a fight with, you know, the, the friendships or the relationships or whatever it may be. Or you may be like, no, I know that there is a demonic assault on my life. You may recognize that there is a demonic attack on your life. And let me just say this. Every spiritual fight is a demonic assault on our Christianity. And so if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, you have to get used to being in the fight because fighting is a part of Christianity. In fact, we'll unpack this over the next couple of weeks and I hope that it helps bring some understanding to some of the things that we all navigate through um, because we're all human beings that deal with things that are very um, both natural and supernatural. And so I want to unpack this today as best as I can. I won't finish it. Um, but the theme for this new series is finish the fight. And it's so powerful because when I think about over the last 33, 34 years of my Christianity, of my salvation, I've had the honor and the privilege of experiencing like miracles and, and signs and wonders through through the church and through a move of his Holy Spirit both in my life and in the lives that I see God uh, touching and ministering to. And, and I've also recognized that, that we have been a part of the miracle for other people's lives. And other people have been a part of the miracle like for our lives. Like I, re I remember I, I, there's so many miracles that, that you could not explain away in the natural, and it, it would just, it would take a whole year to unpack the kind of things that we've been privileged to see over the last 33, 34 years of our Christianity. But the reality is this, is that we've seen God move and we've seen God do um, extravagant miracles in, in teenagers, in young adults, in singles, in married couples, uh, in conferences, in crusades. We've been involved in church planting We've been involved in church mergers. We've been involved in building up leaders and seeing people chosen by God go after his purpose for their lives, no matter what the cost may be. Um, but Roxanne and I, as well as many of you, have also experienced the dark side of ministry. You know that there is a dark side to this thing that we call ministry where we serve one another in love. And it's not meant to be dark, but it becomes dark because the flesh gets involved. And we've seen people confess their faith in Jesus. We've seen those very same people set free um, from addiction, from their brokenness, from their sin, whatever that, that sin may be. Uh, those, those same people fall prey to the lies and the deception of the devil and go right back to their vomit. Go right back to their darkness. Go right back to the brokenness. And it doesn't make sense to me. Why people would go back. Does it make sense to anybody here? 
Like it doesn't make sense to me like if I'm an addict, which I once was, and I've been set free by the love and the grace of Jesus, the power of God, because only he could set me free and all that. Why would I want to go back to that brokenness? Why would I want to go back to that addiction? And yet we see this happen in people's lives. We've, we've seen married couples get restored from violations and yet continue to violate their covenant with one another. And it doesn't make sense to me why. Like why? Why would you want to do that again? Like God healed you from that. God restored you from that. Um, God gave you a new life, a new, a new purpose, a new future. Why would you want to go back to the God restored your relationship to your child? Why would you, why would you want to damage that relationship with your child? And, and, and when I look at this, I, I come to realize that this is a constant fight. Um, it's a constant tug of war between the flesh and the spirit. It's a constant fight with, you know, with our, our carnal nature and who we're called to um, as Christians and, and spiritual beings. And, and many of you, as well as I have, have also been on the receiving side of, of people's critiques and opinions and slander and gossip. And, and that stuff hurts. And we know that it hurts. But, but why? Why in the church? And why does that rear its ugly head? And, and I know that, many, like how many of you have ever dealt with somebody slandering you for whatever reason or being highly opinionated of you or high, highly critical of you and the way that you love or the way that you lead or the, the way that you pursue God. Like you know, we live in a very highly critical world that's just looking for the opportunity to pounce on a mistake or a failure or a shortcoming when we, when we should be the kind of people that are lifting each other up and encouraging one another. Come on. Even more as we see the day approaching, we're supposed to be here in love to, to support one another. Those that, of you that are spiritually strong to, to help restore those that are spiritually weak. For those of you that, that have been wrong, that when somebody says, hey, I'm sorry, forgive me. Well, pastor, how many times am I supposed to forgive them? Bible says 70 times 7. I don't know what to tell you. It means a lot. And sometimes it's not easy to forgive. Sometimes it's not easy to move on. Let me just say this. Time doesn't heal all wounds. It doesn't. Time doesn't heal all wounds. Only Jesus can heal wounds. And we have to live with some of that stuff as Christians. And so, like, we've been on, 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 on both sides of it. Um, and the reality is, is it, it's incredible when you think about the church and you think about society and you think about the people that the church has been called to reach. I mean, we've all been on the receiving side of hurt. We've, we've felt the heartache of leaders we've loved and, and trained and done life with, you know, leave us and slander our church and our family and our, and our love for them. We've, we've cried for the lost. We've interceded for the broken. We've laid down our lives over and over again for the cause of Christ because that's what we've been trained to do. That's what we've been called to do. Make no mistake, this is more than just a fight. This is an all-out brawl. This is a, a, an all-out war for the souls of our families, for our friends, and, and for those that God has called us to reach. I'm reminded of what Jude chapter 1 verse 3 says. It says, dear friends, I've dropped everything 
to write you about this life of salvation that we have in common. I have to write insisting, even begging, that you fight with everything that you have within you for this faith that's been entrusted to us as a gift to guard and to cherish. And so Jude is reminding us that we've been called to fight with everything that's within us. To fight for what? For the faith that's been entrusted to us. And we are to fight for it and to cherish it and to guard it because it's been entrusted into us as a gift. And so as we look at this fight, there are a number of things that I want to look at. And you need to see yourselves in that light as a born-again believer or a disciple of Jesus Christ. The first thing that I would remind you is that we are all freedom fighters. That we are all not just fighting for freedom, but from freedom and for the freedom of others. This is the reason why we serve one another in love. This is the reason why we outreach. This is the reason why we're preparing for one of the biggest outreaches of the year, Shine Festival. This is the reason why we register for it and sign up for it. Because we want to be a shining light at a dark time. And we want to reach people with the loving gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the fight. And make no mistake, Satan isn't just going to let you have it without a fight. And so we're freedom fighters. Galatians says, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ Jesus has set us free. Then he says, stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So I understand that I've been free, but I also understand that I have the capacity to go back to a yoke of slavery. This is why we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We've, we've discussed this over the, the Freedom Sunday series. You have been made brand new. You've been given a new life. You've been given his presence and you've been called to a new purpose. 1 Peter 2, 16 says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So we have been set free by Jesus and, and now have, have to learn how to steward that freedom so that we don't go back to the enslavement of our sin. Philippians 2, 12 says it this way, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but even much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so Paul, in his letter to Timothy, reminds us that this is a brawl, that Satan isn't just going to allow you to live in freedom. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the life that lasts forever. There's a life that lasts forever that God has given you. We are you were chosen to receive it. You have spoken well about this life in front, of, in front of many people. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight. Why? Because um, we're not fighting for the forgiveness of our sins or acceptance from God. We already have that because of what Jesus did on the cross. And by his grace, we're able to go back to that and say, God, forgive me when I've messed up. But our most, most of our spiritual fight is going to happen in the stewardship of our freedom and in the pursuit of God's purpose for our lives. Timothy was, was told by Paul, listen, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. 
Stir up the gift that is within you when you received it by the laying on of my hands. And I think that we're living in a season where there are a lot of people in the church that are waiting for other people to stir them up. And I'm here to tell you that sometimes you got to wake up and stir yourself up in the Lord. Because you can't count on somebody else stirring you up when they're going through it. Listen to me. Sometimes I got to get up in the morning and like with everything that we have going on, with all the assault, all the fight, all the responsibilities, all the obligations, sometimes, you know, you wake up and you're like the first, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like, thank you, Jesus, for another day of life. Because life is precious. And we're not promised tomorrow. I get that. But I also, rec- well, the second thing I say is, hey, babe, I love you. <laughs> I want that to start off right. In the day, but when I know what my responsibilities are as a husband, as a father, as a Christian, as a brother, as an uncle, as a friend, as a pastor, as as oversight of Reach Network, I understand that there's a lot on my plate and sometimes I don't have anybody around me to stir it up for me and to... And to, and to speak life into me and to, you know, just to encourage me. Sometimes i got to be like, hey, Eddie, shake it off. Get your mind straight. Get your heart right. Focus on God. Focus on loving people. Because sometimes I wake up and I don't feel like loving anybody. And the first person I don't feel like loving on is me. Because how many know our biggest critic is ourselves. And I'm very highly opinionated over myself. And I carry that a lot. And so sometimes I got to like shake that off and be like, come on, get your head on straight. Come on, focus. They may be upset with you. They may be angry with you. They may not like you right now, but you've been called to forgive. You've been called to love. You've been called to restore. So shake off that flesh. Get, get in the spirit and focus on your purpose. And sometimes, listen to me, church. Sometimes you won't have anybody but you to do it for you. And you got to learn how to stir up that gift that's within you. Because it's in you because God gave it to you. And so sometimes you have to do that for yourselves. And and Paul reminds us that in his letter to Timothy that he reminded Timothy, hey man, stir up the gift. It's in you. Don't let anybody look down on you. I want to say that to somebody here today. Somebody's been looking down on you and somebody's been talking down to you and somebody has been belittling you. They don't speak for God. They speak for the devil. Why are you giving them so much attention? Go back to the biblical truth that God told. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You belong to the Father. You've been given a new life. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. He's always with you. Come on. You're the head and not the tail. The devil's under your feet. Come on. Why can't we stir ourselves up? Because you're always going to be in conflict. If you're pursuing God... And you're pursuing his will for your life. I guarantee you, you're always going to be fighting this good fight of faith. You're never going to get like, you know, <laughs> you, you, you just, can I just not fight today? Can I, can, can I, can I just, can I be put on leave for a little bit? And, and we do, we get those mountaintop experiences, right, where we're, we're hanging with Jesus. It's all kumbaya. It's all good. You can do nothing wrong. Wife is good. 
Husband's good, kids are good, finances are good, ministry's good, everybody's good. But sooner or later, it's going to happen. And you got to be prepared in season and out of season to respond appropriately to what you face as a believer. And so as believers, our, we fight sin and temptation. We fight unbelief. We may even fight thoughts of shrinking back or giving up or deep, dark periods of discouragement. And, and sometimes we think, well, this, this is really hard. Why, what is wrong? Why am I always in a fight? Well, maybe because you're serving Jesus. <laughs> so there's nothing actually wrong. Maybe everything is right. Now, you got to recognize the fight for what it is. Sometimes we do things to sabotage our own faith. And we find ourselves in these ugly cycles. And we got to fight ourselves out of a bad decision. Um, that's a different kind of fight. But more often than not, when you're pursuing your faith in God and you're growing in faith and you're pursuing the will of God, there are going to be obstacles that come against you. And you got to learn how to overcome those gospel obstacles as a mature believer in Christ. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, he says, We are hard pressed on every side. But not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And what this reminds me of is that we're all going to go through stuff, but we can walk away as more than conquerors because of Christ Jesus who strengthens us. So this is a spiritual fight of faith. This is, this is why we are freedom fighters. First Peter 5, 8, 9, Paul says this, or Peter says this, he says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. How? Standing firm in the faith. It's interesting. I don't know about you. I love Animal Planet. I love National Geographic. I love, I, love, I love animals. I love the way that they taste. I, 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 <laughs> easy. I'm, I, oh, I just got an email right now. That was fast. Uh, I, 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 like I love, I, I love uh, some animals to, you know, to have as pets, right? Not, not, not every animal my, wish, my wife wished we would have. Like, like if I gave her the freedom, oh boy. We would have like fainting goats and like baby hippos and I mean you name it. We would have every animal like uh, miniature pigs and miniature horses and big pigs. It's like this is the only pig you need in your life right now. This is the only one. You can cuddle with that pig all you want. But, uh, but I love watching, you know, the, the dynamics of the animal kingdom. And um, have you ever recognized... Um, when the pride or the lions, when they go after uh, their prey, do you ever recognize what they go after? The what? The weak. Okay, so let's just, that's one. The weak, right? It's physically weak, it's hurt, it's, something's wrong with it, it's damaged, it's weak. What else? The what? The lone one, the one that got away from the herd, right? 
the one that drifted away on its, you know, was a space cadet for a moment and didn't see the herd move on and and it and and it's usually the it's usually the young ones, right? It's usually the young ones, am I right? It's usually the young ones that have drifted away from the herd and and the young ones that have drifted away from the herd um, or, or could be damaged in some way, can be hurt in some way. But for whatever reason, they drift away from the herd, they're away from the herd. And those are the ones that usually the pride of lions goes after. Right? Hear me clearly. Because there are so many um, people, and I've seen this, I've I, I seen this, on, like I saw this one just as of recently, um, uh, the, the hippos. There were a bunch of hippos in this Massive. Now, I grew up with hippos being really cute, like cute, right? Hungry, hungry hippos. Like that was like that and rock'em, sock'ems and, 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 and operation and, and all that. Like I grew up with, with those games, right? Atari and uh, other stuff, like really cool old school games. But, but hippos to me were always something that was really like, they were cute or whatever. Never did I realize that these things are ferocious. These things are probably one of the most dangerous animals in, in the water. Like, I didn't, I didn't recognize that. I didn't realize that. But these things are brutal, right? And I saw this, little, this, this show with the little baby hippo. And it was like walking along with this, with this herd of, of hippos. And it got away from the herd. And when it got away from the herd, um, the lions started to pounce on this thing. And it started to jump through water trying to get away from it. And lions and lionesses are coming from everywhere. And it's just, it's, it's just trying to kill this thing now. And then all of a sudden the herd comes to the rescue and just starts stomping on the lions and grabbing the lions and throwing the lions up in the air and crunching down on the lions. And, and I started to think that that's a lot like a lot of people in church. Because what ends up happening is what the devil looks for is for the people that get away from the herd. And so these are the people that stop going to church. These are the people that start, stop going to life group. These, these are the people that, that get away from the herd for whatever reason. They could be broken. They could be damaged. They could be immature. They could be young. They don't know any better and they get away from the herd. How is that? Already, wow. <laughs> Praise God. Here <laughs> It happens so much to us and we don't even know it. Like you don't even know, like one day you wake up and you're like, I don't feel like going to church. And you're like, like I'm hurt with so-and-so. Or I'm tired, I'm exhausted, it's the only day I get off. And the next thing you know, you're away from the herd. And that's exactly where Satan wants you. Away from the herd. Because the herd is to be protective, is to be a covering. Right, it's to be there for you when when you can't be there for your for yourself. And sometimes we think that staying home benefits us, staying separate benefits us, keeping ourselves out of fellowship benefits us. When in reality, all we're doing is exactly what Satan wants us to do: to get away from the herd. But then, you know what I love about Restoration Life? Like the hippos, Restoration Life comes stomping, and comes looking, and comes loving. And comes to be protective. Because sometimes immaturity doesn't understand the fight that they're in. 
I love what Bible commentator Adam Clark says. He says, when the Bible says that the devil prowls, it means that he has access to you everywhere. And that he knows your feelings and your propensities and informs himself of all your circumstances. That the devil's schemes are constant and effective in his desire to destroy your pursuit of all that God has called you to and promises you through scripture. And what you need to recognize today is that if you've served at any capacity on team here at Restoration Life or beyond, you'll know that serving Jesus and his bride is always accompanied by a spiritual conflict. The devil always plants lies, deceptions, and strategies that if you and I are not careful in our discernment, we'll blame people, we'll blame leaders, we'll blame spouses, and even find fault with the most incredible church in the South Bay that we love and call Restoration Life. This fight is personal. It's spiritual. It's demonic. And it can be exhausting at times because it feels impossible to win at times. I love when I was talking to my sister this morning. How's your, how's your family? They're in a fight. They're in a fight, but they're fighting. They're not laying down. They're not giving up. They're not giving in. And I feel like far too often too many Christians give in when things get difficult. And that's the time that you need to fight the hardest. Other times... When you look at scripture, Peter tells us Satan comes at us like a roaring lion, loud and full of intimidation. And I want to say that there were probably some people here this morning that the devil's roar has paralyzed your faith, has paralyzed the restoration process in your marriage, has paralyzed your pursuit of God's plan for your life because he roars and he roars with persecution and he roars through almost uncontrollable temptations and he roars through past failures and violations of holiness making accusations against God he roars through life's hardships and convinces wonderful people that they don't matter that they're alone and that God, that God has abandoned them that he roars when we lose loved ones and people fail us that he roars when our churches are struggling spiritually, emotionally maybe even financially and Satan will never be content until he sees every believer utterly devoured or disabled or detached away from God. And so what do we do? We fight. We fight this good fight of faith by taking a stand in what's been entrusted to us. Well, what's been entrusted to us? What's been entrusted to us is our faith. Our faith in Jesus has been entrusted to us. The word of God has been entrusted to us and how we interpret that word and how we teach that word has been entrusted to us. Our, our personal relationship to the Father has been entrusted to us. The way that we pursue his will for our life has been entrusted to us. The promises that he's made to us has been entrusted to us. And so we have an obligation to fight for the things that God has entrusted to us. And listen, if you've been saved and set free from your sin, your salvation is already entrusted to Christ, but it's yours to steward. And here's where it gets real. Because in every area of our walk as believers, we are incapable of defeating Satan living in our flesh. You're no match for the devil or his devices 
or his strategies or his assaults or his attacks, his deception, his lies, if you're constantly living in the flesh, you have to pursue growing and maturing in the spirit. Because to be spiritually minded is peace. To be carnally minded is death. And so we have to mature. We can't just stay babies in the Lord for the rest of our lives. We just can't live on spiritual milk for the rest of our lives. Some of you, God wants to give you some really incredible Wagyu steak. But God's like, you still can't handle the Similac. Think about this with me. Think about that baby or that toddler toddler that lives with you. Everything about that child is dependent on you. Like it can't even go to the bathroom by itself. It needs you to do what you do. It's, you have to clean up after it. You have to change it. You have to feed it. You have to clothe it. You have to hold it so and, 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 and rock it to sleep. You have to be with, I mean, like everything about that child needs your undivided attention. You cannot leave that child alone. That baby needs you, right? Until it matures. Until it gets to the age to where now it knows how to put on its own shoes. Even though it has Velcro. It's got its own Now it can put on its own chones and its own pants and its own, you know. And, and now it wants to comb its own hair and, and, and it has its own, like, you know. Now all of a sudden it's like, no, I'll cook for myself. No, you will not cook for yourself. <laughs> you know, but there are a lot of Christians that go to church that they stay in that infant stage. Where they just want people to coddle them all the time. To change their diapers when something happens to feed them to nurture them all the time like like at some point there has to be a maturing right and that's true of every believer every single one of us are constantly maturing for the rest of our lives and guess what when you get older it doesn't end you still need to mature in Christ until the Lord calls you home Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 as I close or verse 11 as I close, helps us understand that as we mature in Christ and as we engage in this spiritual warfare that we're all in, that we have to put on um, what God has made available for us to fight this good fight. The Bible says in verse 11, Ephesians 6, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. It's interesting that, that Paul uses this language, full armor. Like, don't leave any of it off. You need all of it to fight this fight. And the armor that he's probably visualizing as he's writing this letter from prison is probably because he's got these Roman warriors standing in front of him. And he says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, what does he say? Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. 
This is something that you have to wear daily. You have to put on truth daily. Jesus is that truth. He is that way. He is that truth. He is that life. You have to put on that biblical truth. You have to walk in truth. You have to live in truth. You have to respond in truth. Your, your conviction has to be founded in truth. You need truth for you to fight this good fight. Why do we need truth? Because Satan is always going to try to deceive you with a lie. He's always going to try to get you to misinterpret truth as he's done from the beginning of, of, of humanity to now. And if he can get you to believe a lie, he can get you to take off the belt of truth. And you need the full armor of God to fight this fight. Does that make sense? Then he goes on to say, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. The breastplate basically is a picture of this, 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 uh, this plate that goes over your, your torso that protects all of your vital organs, right? And righteousness is right standing with the Father. So the way for you to protect what's vital in your Christianity is to walk in righteousness with God day in and day out, which means that you probably have to live a daily life of repentance, that you have to bring your failures to the Lord on a daily basis, that you not only have to repent from them, but grow from them and ask God to forgive you from them so that you can walk in righteousness daily as a soldier or a warrior in this fight. Then it goes on to say, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What does that mean? That means that, you know, the, you know what the Bible says? It says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. That you and I need to be ready day in and day out ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the whosoever's of this world. That is the responsibility of every single believer. Come on. We should be ready to share Jesus with the whosoever's of this world. We should be ready to share Jesus with our family, with our friends, with our co-workers, with our children, with our, with, 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 with our neighbors. We should be ready in season and out of season to be able to do that. That's why it says, prepare your feet with the readiness of that. That's part of the armor. What else does it say? It says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Why? Because the enemy's constantly casting arrows at your faith, constantly attacking your spiritual walk with God. And you should have that shield of faith always on your arm. You should be like, every time a light comes, nope, I'm more than a conqueror. Nope, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. No greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Nope, my faith is in God, not in my job. My faith is in the economy of the kingdom of heaven, not in the economy of the kingdom of this world. My faith, my faith, my faith. I got to put up this shield of faith. Sometimes, sometimes when my spouse can't pull up her shield, I have to get my shield in front of her or in front of him or in front of my kids, or in front of my friends, or in front of the leaders at our church. Because sometimes we become armor bearers to those that are too weak to pick up their own armor. Trust me, your armor will be banged and bruised in this Christianity. But we are armor bearers. So we need the shield of faith. And then he says... 
take up the helmet of salvation. Man, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm born again. I know that I have a relationship with God. I know that the devil can't snatch me out of God's kingdom. I know that, 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 that I'm sealed for the day of redemption. That I know that one day God's going to come back for me. I know that when I pass, I'm going to go be with God. I know that I'm born again. I don't have to believe the lies. But I have to protect my mind. The helmet of salvation. And then, the only offensive weapon. He says... It says it next. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers of request. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's uh, people. Sorry, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the offensive weapon. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Corinthians says... But thanks be to God. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I understand that I'm in a fight, and it's a good fight. But if I'm going to finish this fight well, then I have to walk in alignment to God's word. I have to be led by the Holy Spirit. I have to serve my purpose. I have to put on the full armor of God because I know that every day I wake up, Satan is ready. He's, he's hungry. He's prowling. He's, he's, he's waiting to catch me slipping. He's waiting for you to do something that you know you shouldn't do. He, he's waiting for you to open a door or a window or an opportunity for him to come in and pounce. And the reality is, is that we have to be smarter than that. But we're never going to be able to fight this good fight. We're never, never going to be able to finish this fight if we're constantly walking in the flesh. We've got to walk in the spirit. Which means that I have to fully surrender to Jesus at all times, every single day, in every area of my, in my life. This is a good fight. And nobody can fight it for you. This is your fight. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to the Holy Spirit. You're in a fight right now. And man, you need strength. Stand to your feet. That's you. You're in a fight right now and you need strength for the fight that you're in. You're fighting for something that you know God has called you to. It could be the calling over your life. And Satan has done everything that he can to stop you, to hinder you, to remove you from pursuing God's calling, God's purpose, God's will for your life. That's you. I want you to come to this altar. I want you to know that God is never going to leave you or forsake you. That the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. But we need to position ourselves properly, right? We need to answer that call properly. We need to pursue that call properly. Maybe right now you're fighting for your family and you're in the fight of faith right now. It's, it's, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare. But man, you're fighting for the peace and the healing and the restoration of your family. That's you. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to come to this altar. Maybe you're here and you're fighting for the peace of mind. You're dealing with anxiety. You're dealing with depression. You're, you're, you're dealing with demonic assault. But man, today is the day that you find freedom in Christ Jesus. Today is the day that you pull down every stronghold, right? And you submit it to God. And you say, God, this is not my fight. This is your fight. I'm submitting it to you, God. I don't want to walk with suicidal thoughts. I don't want to live with depression. I don't want to live with anxiety. I don't want to live with these things in my life. That's you. 
I want you to come to this altar and find a place to pray. Because I really believe that Jesus can set you free. You're in the fight. You're fighting for your children right now. You're fighting for their salvation. You're believing God for their salvation. And you've loved on them. You've prayed for them. I'm telling you, don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on your family members. Don't give up on your spouse. Don't give up on your husband or your wife. You're fighting for them. Come on, stand to your feet. Come to this altar. We're going to sing a song. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God together. But we are making a declaration of faith right now in Jesus' name. Jesus has given me.
incredible word. That was, that was so incredible. I just feel, I just feel like a stirring in me right now before I go to the next thing. As everyone is here on the altar, we're all believing for something. We're all praying for healing or whatever your circumstance is. But I just really feel right now so stirred to just lift a shout of praise and give God thanks for the victory, even when we don't see it. So we thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You better praise him. Even when you don't see it, we're going to praise him. And when you believe it for healing, we're going to praise him. Your family member will be saved. We're going to praise him like he's already done it. We're going to give him shout a praise because you deserve it, Lord. Yes, we will not let our circumstances dictate our faith. We will stand firm and fight this fight together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. What a great word that was. We, our prayer is that you would walk out of here looking at your circumstance differently, knowing and equipped on how to fight this good fight. Amen. If you are new to this church or if you've been coming here and you're not yet connected or in community, behind me are a few ways that you can get connected. We wanna do life with you. We wanna be in community with you. So go ahead and scan the QR code. Don't forget to stop by the VIP team after here. They have a gift for you. We love you guys and we'll see you next week.